0: Hi, this is Sharon, and I'm so glad you've tuned in to the Grace Church podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you will better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at graceocala.org. Good morning. Good morning. It is a joy to be here. It's always a joy for me to be at Grace because I always think about this once I get here that this is the very first church I ever came to in the Diocese of Central Florida. And that was long before I was on Bishop House staff back in the day. I visited here in 1978 with a youth ministry team called King's Kids in Action. And I remember sleeping over in the parish hall floor for a couple of nights while we were here. So, uh, but it's always a joy to come back here to, to be a part of this congregation. Thank you, uh, Father Jonathan, for the opportunity to come and, and uh, be in the pulpit this morning. I want to talk this morning a little bit about fear. It's kind of a hot topic these days. And I think there's one reason for that is that fear sells. You know, you talk about people being afraid of things and people take notice. You know, I have to be honest that in many ways, I don't understand those things that are out there that are intentionally that people go to to be scared. You know, I don't understand slasher movies. You know, I, I really don't get the concept of why that is fun. Um, I will say this I do like thrillers and uh, I would sort of say that's a different category, and I would commend to you uh, Star Trek. Uh, I saw it on Friday, and that actually fulfills a 40-year ritual, uh, almost a 40-year ritual in my life. Um, I remember standing in line at Star Trek IV on opening day, and I was commenting with a friend who had been to a couple of the ones before, that I've been to every Star Trek movie on opening day. So that has become a ritual in my life, and so Friday, regardless if I wanted to or not, Uh, I had to go and see Star Trek, but I would recommend it to you. It was a good ride. Um, So, But once again, there's this thing about fear. There are lots of things to be scared about. I I read online this week a pastor, a Pentecostal pastor, uh, posted a whole thing about the Pokemon Go uh, game that's out there. And he basically called these little virtual critters at Pokemon stops uh, demons. And he said we should be scared of them. You know, we don't need those things. And I I have to let you know that we have four Pokemon stops at Canterbury. Um, I did not plan those. We did not ask for those. But all of a sudden, they showed up. And I don't know if I really need to be scared of them. But the thing is this, is that people will be scared of all sorts of things. You know, you get enough people talking about something with enough fervor and, and raising a few questions, and people will freak out. So beware Pokemon this morning. Maybe something a little more fearful that is this unique uh, election cycle we find ourselves in you know some folks are freaking out they're wringing their hands they're obsessed i get it from every area like on my on the media feeds that i get from the left and from the right and people can't believe what's going on and they can't believe this person said that or the other and they they're just they're they're wondering what are we going to do how are we going to make it and they're just one of my friends who's actually a psychologist phd says i've never been more frightened than I am right now. Andy Stanley, who I listen to a good bit, uh, has six words. I think they're prophetic words for it. So if you're out there, if you're wringing your hands, if you're obsessed, if you're concerned, here are words for you. Stop it. You're scaring the children. <laughs> you know, we've survived many things. As a nation, we've survived, and we will survive, the next president, whoever it is. I encourage you to pray, to be engaged, to be informed, and exercise your rights as a citizen. But fear not. Jesus is Lord, and that is where our hope must be. And the reality is this, that there are some things we see every day, far too often in the news, that are a real threat. Violence and hatred, ISIS and terror, Racism, crime, and murder, these things give us pause. And we ask, do I really want to travel there? Do I really want to go to that place? We ask, should I buy a gun, get a permit? It's because many of these threats are real, and in many cases, they are local. In thinking about this, I thought that our flag is flying at half-mast way too often these days. Tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. But there's good news this morning, and that is that we do not have to be afraid. We don't have to fear. Paul gives instruction to Timothy when he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but rather of power, love, love and self-control. This is a little rabbit trail from what I had prepared as so I started thinking about that this morning even as I was I was coming up here. That God has, you know, think of the things that we have to be afraid of that are out there. Sometimes we can be afraid of the world because it's a big world and it's a scary world at times. And people are bringing about all sorts of, of horror and death and destruction, brutality to us. And so the world can be a scary place, but What Paul, I think, is saying here to Timothy, he's encouraging, because Timothy lived in a scary world. And he says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but to overcome the world, he's given us a spirit of power. That is, through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, we can overcome the world. Jesus said, be uh, in this world, you will have tribulation. It's almost like a promise. But he goes on to say, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And in Christ, we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us to overcome those fears. Another fear that's out there is sometimes what I would call the fear of others. What others might do. Maybe it's someone who has control over an area of your life, a boss, who has, you know, can, can sort of wreck or ruin your career. Or maybe it's someone else who has the, that has just power in one way over you, has control over you. It's another person. Be not afraid. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But to overcome the fear of others, he's given us love. We have the love of Christ. And we're called to love our enemies. To love those who persecute us. To go the extra mile to serve them. If we're offended, if something happens to us, we turn the other cheek, Jesus says. We go the extra mile. That is what love would do. And by doing so, we overcome the fear of others. And finally, in this sort of picture, we have a fear maybe of ourselves. Am I going to make it? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to make good decisions? And Am I, I going to live a good life? Am I going to make right choices? And the Lord says to us, fear not. For I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but I've given you a spirit of self-control. That through the power of the Holy Spirit working in me and through me, I don't have to fear. Because there is a discipline, a self-discipline that comes into my life when I walk in Christ. And it changes the very way in which I walk in this world. See, we need to know that christianity was not birthed in weakness but the early church was full of the most fearless people the world has ever seen they welcomed the chance not just to die they weren't in the sense wanting to just to give up their lives go ahead and kill me in that regard but they were not scared of death because of christ they were willing to die for jesus Reminded in Revelation 12, it says, They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even unto death. Hebrews would tell us that the world was not worthy of such folks. They are amazing. The early martyrs gave such a stunning and defying posture in death that it challenged everyone who saw it and heard it. So when they were brought into the arena... And whether it was through a sword or whether it was through his wild beast, they stood their ground, fearless. And this, this is what eventually brought the Roman soldiers, the Roman Empire down. this love for Christ and this fearlessness that it gave his followers. They faced excruciating torture. If they would but deny Christ, they would be spared, but instead they chose, to be faithful to Jesus. They, ex- they had all sorts of things, all sorts of tortures that they endured, molten lead being poured down their throats, a metal chair that was heated to red hot, and then they were forced to sit in it and literally be cooked to death. We have the story of Perpetua, who who is a f- famous an account of martyrdom in the second century. She was a young Roman noble woman. She was arrested and imprisoned for her faith. Her father pleaded with her to renounce her faith so that she would be spared. She was thrown to the beast, and she survived. Ultimately, she was killed by the sword, and she helped guide the trembling hand of the executioner to her own neck. This vivid display of her contempt for death, her expectation of eternal life, gave noble witness for the gospel. And for me it begs the question are we a fearless church today are we fearless in the side of persecution some are we hear the stories of people that are martyred in the middle east and it's an amazing account of people who would rather die than give up jesus are we fearless I say all that to say that the gospel this morning points us to why we shouldn't fear. You need to understand that these words which have become common to us, and we, we say them every week of the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, these, this teaching of Jesus on prayer is radical. It's amazing. It's something that people had not heard before. And there are several things that we can sort of extract from this prayer that will give us fearlessness in these days. See, I think sometimes we hear these words so often, we say them so often, we forget the power, the wonder, the majesty, the amazing truth that they hold for us. The first thing I want us to see when we look at this prayer is that God is personal. He is our Father. He is not some sort of metaphysical construct, a supreme being removed from the human experience, but rather He is engaged. He is a God who works in the confines of time. He intervenes in human history. He is acquainted with us in every way. He knows from which we are made that we are dust. Here we are brought close. We are able to call God Father. He loves us, He is not just, He is Dad. And we've been brought close into a relationship with God. And see, not only is it personal, not only do we have this relationship and this ability to come into God's very presence because of his love for us, because he is Father. But he is also hallowed be your name. That is to say that he is wonderful and majestic and holy. We don't worry or fear because God who is our Father is awesome and great. God is personal. Second thing we can pull from this is that in God we have purpose. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We exist for a mission. The church becomes an outpost for the kingdom of God. Something that I have felt for a long time and had the privilege of planting a church, starting a congregation. And this was something that we knew to be part of our DNA. That we were a very outpost for the kingdom of God. Is part of us understanding our mission into this world. I'll ask the question. When people look at grace, when they look at this church on this corner that's been here for 125 plus years, as I learned this morning, earlier, as they look at this congregation, as they look at these buildings, as they look at who you are, what do they see? See, I would... I would argue that what, they, what I hope they would see, what they would glimpse from time to time, is that they would see the kingdom of God in you. What does that look like? It's really simple in some ways. It's, it's people that are, are so in love with God, that know that he is their father, that they've been redeemed by his son and filled with the Holy Spirit. They're in love with God and they are in love with each other. And Jesus tells his disciples, they're going to know that you're mine. They're going to know that you belong to me because of the love you have for one another. I hope that's what the world sees when, they, when it looks at the church. I think too often it doesn't. It sees people sometimes that are angry. People that feel like they're, they're discriminated against it for one reason or another. But the church needs to rise up and be the church that Jesus called it to be. And that is a community of love. That is our mission. That is the way we see the kingdom come and his will be done when we love him and when we love one another and when we love the world around us. Because when we do that, people will thirst for it. Those people outside who, who don't go to church, who gave up on the church for whatever reason, when they see authentic faith, When they see authentic Christianity in people loving God and loving each other, they'll sit up, they'll take notice, they'll say, I'll need to get me some of that. See, ultimately, that's our mission. And love can look like lots of things, ways in which we we share and give, ways in which we serve the community, I love this, and I go there all the time just because it's so real to me. As a Mother Teresa has this little quote that I, I want to live my life by, that we are called to do small things with great love. That is the call of the church. I mean, sometimes they might seem like great big things, but whatever it is, whether it's running a VBS or whether it's a mission trip or whether it's something in this community, a food bank, a school, It's doing it with great love. Beloved, that's the mission of the church. See, in God we are given a purpose. And for that reason, we fear not. We see also that in God not only is he personal, not only do we have a purpose, but in God we have provision. He gives us our daily bread. He gives us what we need to survive. We're encouraged in these verses following the Lord's Prayer to to ask, to seek, to knock, to ask God for what we need. It's all we need to do. And he will provide for us. Years ago, I had the privilege to record a, a worship project. And one of the songs on it was a song that we did. And the chorus was real simple. And it's one that I sort of carry with me in those moments. And it goes like this. I will not fear. I will have peace. Because my Father has provided for me, meeting my needs, part of His plan, so I will rest in the palm of His hand. You see, beloved, when we are resting in the palm of His hand, we fret not, we worry not, we fear not, because our Heavenly Father sees what we need and will give us everything we need for each and every day, our daily bread. He provides for us, body, soul, mind, and spirit. God gives us his Holy Spirit when we ask. We have a God that provides for everything, top to bottom, back to front, A to Z, every part of our lives. Nothing escapes his eye. And for that reason, we fear not. In God, we have peace. He has reconciled us, forgiven us, and we are to be forgiving. Forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. See, this is one of the most amazing things to me. Because I know how wretched I am. I know my, the, my sin. And one of the most comforting little verses of a hymn that, of one of my favorite hymns, is this My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Do we ever forget that? The bliss of this glorious thought that I stand here before you, forgiven. My debt has been paid, my guilt has been erased. I stand reconciled to God. He gives us peace. He tears down the dividing wall and establishes His peace between me and Him, between you and Him in Christ. By His cross. By His cross. By His shed blood. I'm reconciled to God. And I stand here forgiven. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Not only am I forgiven, but I'm to be a conduit of forgiveness into this world. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Oh, my goodness. I look out in this world, and there are all sorts of people I could be mad about or, or sort of hold things against them. Uh, this came to mind as I was sitting there this morning, as I was sitting this morning just a few minutes ago, that, you know, there are a lot of people I need to forgive. I need to forgive the University of Georgia for firing my, Mark Rick. You know, what a stupid thing they did, right? I need mean, I mean, to forgive whoever's responsible for the Atlanta Braves this year. You know, more than that, and it kind of gets a little closer to home, I need to forgive CNN and Fox News. Man, they're stirring the pot. It's not helpful. It's less about information and, and reporting news than it is about the right and the left the continued polarization of our nation, it grieves me. I need to forgive Donald Trump for his enormous ego, his brash and hurtful things that he says. I need to forgive Hillary Clinton for her reckless and careless handling of national security. What I see is her pride in thinking that she's above the law. I could judge them all day long. That ain't my job. If I hear anything in this passage is that I'm forgiven and I need to forgive others. I need to forgive. And when I do that, I don't fear Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton at all because Jesus is Lord. We'll we'll get through this election cycle as I said earlier we'll survive whoever the next president is. And I'm not saying we shouldn't like I said do what we can do. Be informed, be engaged, vote. Do those things that are our rights as American citizens. But fear not. Fear not. And finally, in God, not only is he personal, not only does he provide for us, not only does he give us peace, we have protection. In God, we have protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus is Lord. Do you believe that? Is God all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present? Can anything touch my life except by his design? This is the doctrine of sovereignty. Is God ever surprised? I don't think so. And we shouldn't be either. He knows, he cares, he delivers, he saves. Nothing can separate me from his love. Neither height nor depth nor principality nor power nor anything on the earth or under the earth or above the earth can ever separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He is my shield, my protector, my defender. And as I sang, we are safe and secure in the palm of his hand. See, when we pray this prayer with faith, We fear not. What are you stressing over this morning? What has gotten your attention this morning? I'll say, what are you worried about? I want to tell you this morning, if you're worried, you're halfway there. And the reason I say that is worry is the negative of prayer. Worry is focusing on the things and wondering what, and it has fear attached to it and anxiety attached to it. But, beloved, if we can turn that around and we can bring those things that are concerns to us before God in prayer. And we focus our attention, God, in this situation with this person who's sick, with this person who is near death, with this person who's about to lose their home, with this person who's struggling with school or struggling with their vocation, this person who has no money to pay their bills, Lord, intervene. By your hand and by your grace, God, you are a God who saves and delivers, and we pray that you would step into this moment. Turn your worry into prayers this morning. Like I said, it's the positive application of our intentional focus, of our our understanding when we give ourselves to think about something. Let's think about it in a way that God can, can, we call upon the Lord to intervene by his grace and by his mercy. Think about this morning about a God who is personal, a God who gives purpose, a God who provides, a God who makes peace, a God who protects. When you dwell on those things, you have no reason to fear. I pray this day that we would become the people that God wants us to be, that we would truly be fearless in this world. Because when people see fearless people, they're going to want to know why. And it's not because we're tough or we're, you know, we have all the answers. That's far from the case. We're fearless because we serve God and King, Lord and Savior, Redeemer. He is our hope and our salvation. And because of that, I will not fear. I will have peace. Because my Father has provided for me. Meeting my need is part of his plan. So I will rest in the palm of his hand. Amen. We're so glad you joined us on our podcast today. We hope that you will take what you've heard and share it with your community. If you'd like to learn more about our church community... Find us on Facebook or Instagram or online at graceocala.org. Go in peace.